Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where we are here. The regular season is nigh. Let the 75th NBA Squid Games begin. May the odds be ever in our force to infinity and beyond. Harry, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander, and we are going to do our annual season's predictions podcast, though this one will be a lot zippier than usual. So let's get started. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you, Jonathan? I'm pretty good. I'm very excited for tomorrow's bout against the Golden State Warriors. What about you? I am likewise excited. And lit, I am sure. So, Tommy, for today's episode, typically when we do these predictions podcasts, we literally go down the line of every single player and predict every single stat. We're not going to do that this year. Uh, We'll make it quick and snappy. I asked you to think up of your top three most confident statistical predictions for this upcoming season that you have. Maybe not most confident, but something you just want to put out there, whether that be individual statistical predictions or a team-wide prediction. Uh, So you'll have three, I'll have three, and then at the end we'll also give out one macro outlook bold prediction for the team and the season. So yeah, and that's how we're going to usher in uh, the regular season as the Lakers take on the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday. So let's get started. I'll go first, and then we can kind of ping-pong back and forth. Does that sound good? Yes. All right, so one statistical prediction that I'm somewhat confident about that I'm going to go out on a limb and predict is, one, I predict that, okay, how do I want to set this up? Hold on. Okay, so my first prediction has to do with Anthony Davis's field goal percentage this season. What would you say is Anthony Davis's best career field goal percentage in the regular season throughout his entire career? Ooh, good question. Without looking? um, Without looking. uh, Let's see. I know he's typically, it feels like he's definitely above 50 because he takes high percentage shots, but um, 54%? Ooh, that's pretty close, actually. So his best career field goal percentage in the regular season is 53.4%. During the 2017-18 season with the Pelicans, and guess who was his teammate? Rajon Rondo. Uh, this is also the season when they won two games he versus the more. Gold. He won more. I, yeah, I think he won more. Was indeed his teammate. I don't think he, that helped him get 53.4 percent from the field as much as Rondo did. Uh, but this was also the season that they went 
past the first round and even won two games uh, against Golden State in the playoffs. So that's his career field goal percentage in the regular season, 53.4%. As we all know, his career high field goal percentage in the playoffs was, of course, during the bubble year where he shot 57.9%. When you look at it that way, it's ridiculous (laughs) what he did in the bubble. Um, So my first uh, semi-confident prediction for the year is... I don't think Anthony Davis is going to do the 57.9% in the playoffs, but I do predict Anthony Davis will shoot a career regular season high in field goal percentage with 55% from the field because of the easy buckets he's going to get from said player Rajon Rondo, who's back, LeBron James, obviously, who he's built chemistry with over the last two and a half years, and hopefully Russell Westbrook as well eventually once he gets the kinks worked out. Tack on to that the pace, the transition play, as well as I think he'll get his jump shot in order. And in general, as far as the preseason goes so far, he looks a lot more spry and healthy. I think that will all lead to a career-high regular season field goal percentage for Anthony Davis at 55%, surpassing 2017-18's 53.4%. Anything to say about that before you go? Uh, I I mean, it's a, it's a fair prediction. Um... I think it has a reasonable chance of happening. I mean, it, it seems like AD's coming into the season in great shape, and he obviously has more guys to set him up than he's ever had. I mean, there will not be a minute that he's on the floor that he doesn't have somebody who's like pretty adept at setting him up, which is mm-hmm. probably the first time in his career that this has happened. So I could see it. And that's not even including the other secondary ball handlers like Nunn and, you know, Monk and THT once he gets back, right? So, yeah, I expect that to happen. So what's one, what's your first uh, prediction for this season? Okay, this one is kind of similar um, to yours. It's not, um, it's not field goal percentage, but... I was, mm-hmm. you know, looking at 80s stats, you know, in connection with this field goal percentage thing that you raised, though, actually... AD has only averaged over 25 points, I think half the season or maybe less than half the seasons of his career. And maybe that's not super remarkable. 25 points is a lot of points per game, but he has played on some pretty bad teams where he was taking a lot of shots and, you know, everything was kind of running through him. I don't know that this is a super bold prediction, but I think AD is going to average, you know, 20, uh, 26, 20, maybe 26 to 28 points per game, which I think on a team with Russ and LeBron James, I think is, is maybe a somewhat bold take. It would be his highest point output, That's true. you know, you know, I guess his first year with us, he averaged 26, but, uh, you know, on a team like this, maybe you wouldn't necessarily expect it, um, last year he averaged 21.8. I know it was an injury plague deer for him, but I could definitely see him getting back up there to uh, where he's been among the highest years in his career. I think his career high is 28. So, Yeah, no, I'm totally down for that. And it makes sense because it seems like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, the whole team is pushing this AD for MVP or Defensive Player of the Year agenda, trying to get him back to that place where he was at that first year. Uh, so I'm I'm going to assume that they're going to be very intentionable, intentional, not intentionable, is that a word? Intentionable? Anyways, I, either or. I think they're going to be very intentional and intentionable about making Anthony Davis the focal point of everything that they do and keep him engaged. So I definitely am with you there in conjunction with the higher field goal percentage. So I can definitely see him shooting 26 to 28%. All right, my second prediction is a team-wide prediction. 
and it has to do with three-point shooting. So last season, the Lakers, can you guess what they shot from three-point land? Uh, I was like 35% would be my Hey, guess. pretty. Did you cheat? Um, no, I did not. <laughs> pretty good. 35.4% uh, last season, which put them at 21 in the league. So I'm sure you know this one, but who do you think topped the league in three-point percentage? Uh, the Clippers. Yes. So the Clippers shot 41% as a team. It's just, it's crazy. I'm it was so absurd. Envious. It was absurd. It's, it's insane. Uh, so that's, that's what happened last season. In the 2019-20 season, in terms of three-point percentage, the Lakers were actually pretty consistent. They were 34.9% uh, that championship season, and they were also 21st. So in LeBron's first season with the young kids, 2018-19, the Lakers were 29th in the league in three-point percentage, shooting 33.3%. So that kind of gives you the context of where we've landed in terms of three-point percentage. This year, and I know, I don't know why I'm doing this, why I'm going out on this limb, because this goes against everything in Lakers history regarding the three-point curse. But this year, I predict the Lakers will shoot an almost near decade high from three-point percentage this season, knocking down 37.9% to the dot. So if you take that percentage and kind of uh, transpose it to last year's rankings, that would put them at seventh last year. For further context, the Lakers' best three-point shooting in recent memory, and especially in the last decade, came during the... Which coach was it, Tommy? Mike D'Antoni? Yes, the Mike D'Antoni era 2013-14 season with Swaggy P, I think Jody Meeks, Jordan Farmar, where the Lakers were third in three-point percentage that season, shooting 38.1%. So I don't think they'll hit that mark, but 37.9% is where I'm putting the three-point shooting. And as we've seen in the preseason, there's that stat going around in terms of how much more attempts the Lakers are taking uh, as opposed to the regular season. Not much can be gleaned from the, th- from the preseason, but the Lakers are at least, you know, plus 0.5 in terms of attempts in that respect. And I think that should only rise as we get more of the full team uh, together and playing, regardless of the injuries that have uh, befallen us. But uh, yeah, your thoughts on three-point shooting and then give me your second prediction. So <laughs> I like I like the optimism. If we shoot that well, I really like our chances this Me season. Me too. <laughs> uh, but I I just I I have a hard time finding it. I mean I know we we have we have added a lot of fantastic three point shooters, and I think a lot of our guys from last year who are going to be core rotate. I, I shouldn't say a lot. The main guy I'm thinking from last year who I think is going to upgrade his. Uh, shooting percentage from three is THT once he gets back into the lineup. Um, You know, so that is going to help. But all that said, you know, the three main guys who are going to be taking the three highest number of shots on this team are 80 LeBron and Westbrook. And none of those guys are great three point shooters, unfortunately. So unless Frank Vogel comes up with some crazy scheme that gets like somehow those guys, the shots that they need, but gets everybody else like pretty much exclusive three, three point jump shots that I, I don't know. I, I would be very pleasantly surprised if we, if we got that outcome. So I'll just add before you go, that's all fair. That all makes sense. I'll add that just looking at the three point shooting profile of all of our guys, including catch and shoot numbers. And we've already seen what Kent Bazemore's done this preseason, just sticking to catch and shoot threes because He was the percentage leader last season at 42%. Uh, And then seeing Carmelo 
he hasn't even hit his stride yet. I'm talking about Carmelo, right? But he's getting such good looks. And you see what happens when that guy gets hot and what an avalanche it can be for the whole team, actually. And I just think just the collective rise in percentage from guys like Carmelo, even Kendrick Nunn, if you look at his catch-and-shoot numbers, he led, he led the team, if you take into account volume, in uh, catch-and-shoot three-pointers last season, 42.1% on 1.8 makes from three-point land, just catch-and-shoot-wise. Um, and then you, you add in Monk, right, who's been an absolute microwave this season. And I just think they have a shot at, and I'm not predicting like, you know, 39% or anything. I just think they have a shot to be the best three-point shooting team in the last decade, which actually isn't a huge bar. I guess it's a low bar for us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so, so I'm predicting they're within the top 10, which is pretty crazy. So slightly below right, right outside top five, especially if Monk comes back from his hamstring injury and is, you know, maintains his consistency from this preseason shooting 47% from three. And then even if Austin Reeves gets some playing time, he's a much better shooter and more consistent shooter than Alex Caruso. So even though Westbrook, LeBron, and AD are going to take the majority of those threes, I don't know. Uh, The the rest of them are going to be a lot better than what we've had in recent years. So that's why I'm optimistic. Although, of course, I also wouldn't be surprised if we're still shooting 36% from three. Uh, With that said, what's your second prediction? Second prediction, maybe this one's a little boring, um, but and I think some people have alluded to this, like if you've been following along on Twitter, but Kent Bazemore has been in the league for, I don't know, 11 years or 12 years, something like that. I was actually surprised to see that Kent Bazemore's career high in minutes per game was 28 minutes, and it was actually when he played with us in <laughs> for 23 oh, games in, in 2013-14. I mean, he came close to that a couple years later, and he actually played like a legit season that year, so I consider that to be his his true career high, which was 27.8. So based off that number, I am predicting that Kent Bazemore is going to average a career high in minutes. I think he's going to be... I think he's going to be somewhere in the 28 to 30 minutes per game range. I know that we are stacked at the guard position in many ways, but but here's what I think. Kent Bazemore is obviously the clear front runner to be a starter, so there's that. Because of his defense and his ability to hit corner threes, he is going to be, I think, a core part of our closing lineup, so there's that. With the injuries we have to THT and Ariza to start the season, Kent Bazemore is like the one guy for the first two months of the season that we um, we are, you know, going to have that can play a little bit of defense against bigger wings. Uh, I think all of that is going to propel him into like a really intense start to this year. And I think he's going to carry that momentum. And I think he's going to average somewhere between 28 to 30. I know 30 sounds like a lot when you're talking about a team that's going to try to limit, you know, the minutes of guys like LeBron, Russ and AD probably to 32 to 34 range. But I think Kent Bazemore is, um, he's such a clear fit on, you know, roster fit on this team. You know, he's been a really good three-point shooter the last two seasons. He feels so fills so many obvious voids on our on our uh, roster, and he's looked fantastic in preseason. Um, I don't know if he's playing for a contract or what, frankly, is motivating him at this point, but I, he is so intense from day one, and, and I think he's going to be a huge part of what we're doing this year. 
I think that's not a boring prediction, but a bold one, actually. But I, I mean, I can see your line of thinking just because Kent Bazemore is the one guy who's not a superstar and who doesn't yeah. have to shoulder the load offensively, who can guard one through three and is pretty tenacious doing it and will literally just hone in on that for a full 82-game season and you can rely on him to do that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting if he gets 28 to 30. That's insane. All right, so we're going to take it to break first and return with our final prediction and our bold prediction for the season. All right, so we are back for my third and last uh, prediction of the season. I'm going to pitch it to Russell Westbrook, and I'm going to say... So I'll caveat this first with regards to my prediction is going to involve Russell Westbrook and assists. I'll caveat this by saying, um, well, I don't know what happened to my voice there. Um, I'll caveat this prediction by saying that I know the more common reference point to look back back on with regards to Russell Westbrook and assists, especially as it pertains to him being next to a high usage ball handler, would be the Rockets when he was with Harden. And that year, he averaged seven assists, his lowest since the 2013-14 season when he was with Oklahoma City. So obviously, you make the comparisons. He's going to be next to LeBron James, etc. But even with that caveat in play, I'm going to predict that Russell Westbrook still averages 10 assists this season. Okay. Very interesting. You'll like my next, uh, my next prediction then, but go ahead. Okay. Well, it's going to be a good, uh, easy segue then. And I think it's going to be because LeBron is, out of the two, the more flexible player and more versatile player. And if someone's going to acquiesce in some senses and can be more moldable, it's going to be LeBron James acquiescing to Russell Westbrook to make sure that he feels at home with his type of play. And between the two, LeBron is just a better off-ball player than Westbrook, whether that's by want or just by skill. And... On top of that, I just think the Lakers will eventually get their run game going. They'll probably lead the league in pace, and that kind of lends to Westbrook's strength. So even if he's next to a high-usage primary ball handler, one of the greatest point forwards of all time in LeBron James, I think he can rack assists up in bunches, especially in transition, and hopefully once we get our defense set to a solid level where we're actually you know, mucking things up and getting teams in scramble mode situations where Westbrook can take advantage of backpedaling defenses and just get like three assists in the span of two minutes because he's literally just pitching it down to a leaking out Anthony Davis or Kent Bazemore or Malik Monk, etc. Um, and so I think that's how he's going to rack up assists pretty easily. And then I think it's, and also keep in mind, I think there are going to be stretches within this season, whether intentional or unintentional, that Westbrook will be the main guy out there due to some load management. And I think he'll have, during those games, I think he'll have his customary like 15 to 18 assist games where it'll just blow your mind and that should help his overall uh, assist average. So I kind of see his assists looking more like his OKC seasons with PG and Mello, where LeBron sort of takes that Paul George role just because he's able to do that. I think in the playoffs that shifts obviously, but with regards to the regular season and, you know, Russell Westbrook being an innings eater, et cetera, et cetera. And you already see his line of thinking in preseason, just trying to get guys involved. I think the turnovers will go down. The assists will continue to rise, especially as we, you know, pump up the pace and transition. So that's why I predict Russell Westbrook will once again, average double digit assists. What's your last prediction? It's pretty much the opposite. So I, <laughs> Great. Yeah. So I, that's, that's funny, but you know, so five, I look, I think your prediction here is probably, 
it's definitely the safer one to make. Five out of the last six seasons, um, Russell Westbrook has averaged double-digit assists. He averaged nearly 12 assists last year, okay? So he's, you know, he's obviously can get that get get those stats up there. I think, actually, his assist numbers this year are going to be closer to what they were with Houston, which he averaged seven assists per game that year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying seven, but I think in... In the sevens, I, I could definitely see maybe 7.5 or so in terms of his assists. I think he's going to average over 20 points. I think he's going to average um, double-digit rebounds, actually. Um, but I I think his assists are going to drop. I, it's not even necessarily that I think... You know, I totally hear you. LeBron can play off the ball. In fact, he wants to often play off the ball. Uh, I think the big key for me with Russ is he's never... You know, I, I frankly, I'm going to be honest. I do not remember the state of Carmelo Anthony's game when he was teammates with Russ in OKC. But at least to the degree of Anthony Davis, he's never played with a big who is going to take the ball. You ISO, you give him space, and that guy's just going to do his own thing on one side. AD, I think, is going to because when AD is right, like that's a substantial part of what we try to do on offense. Um, Russ is very much more used to playing with a guy like, I don't know if DeAndre is the best example, but, you know, more of a guy like DeAndre or a guy like Dwight where he can get a full head of steam down the court and then dump off a little pass to a guy to finish a dunk, right? And it's just going to be a little bit different the way he is playing with AD this year in particular. Um, I also think because of the starting lineup that we're going to use – which I, I personally, I mean, I guess we'll see, uh, you know, what it ultimately ends up being. But I, I personally project that it's going to involve a lot of AD at the, it, most of the lineups are going to involve mm-hmm. AD at the four and Kent Bazemore also starting. Um, I think Kent Bazemore is a guy who can handle, the, look, he's not a primary ball, you know, ball handler or creator, but he can handle some of the load there and, and will take the ball out of Russ's hands a little bit. LeBron will obviously take the ball out of Russ's hands. Uh AD will take the ball out of Russ's hands, not from a creation standpoint, from just from an off, you know, how we're going to run our offense. And even off the bench, we have guys like Malik Monk who can do a few things. We have Kendrick Nunn who can obviously do some things. Um, and to the extent we play Rondo, he can do some things. I think all of that is going to contribute to Russ being actually the guy who kind of takes a step back and is like, you know what, five of these guys on this team won a championship two years ago. So I'm going to sort of take the step back. I'm going to drop my usage. I think he's going to be, and I don't know, it seems maybe crazy because this is the opposite of how he's approached the preseason. But I think he is going to have a lot more opportunities to score actually higher percentage shots um, than he's had in some of his recent years, except for maybe Houston. uh, And I think his assist numbers go down. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I mean, I could totally see that happening. I think you could see my angle happening. It'll be an interesting sort of wager to keep track of and an, and an easy one because it's just assists, double digits or not. Uh, my counterpoint to the better ball handlers around him would be, you know how they track assists these days, right? You can get three dribbles and the guy makes the shot and that's an assist for the player. I sure. would almost argue that actually helps Westbrook in some senses because <laughs> he could give it to none. None attacks a closeout and he gets a layup, whereas, you know, other teammates may not have been as adept a scorer as a none or, or a Malik Monk, or they may have not, he may have not have had shooters who can hit tough 
three-point shots like Carmelo Anthony or, or even Wayne Ellington, et cetera, et cetera. So in some senses, yes, it'll take the ball away from him. In other senses, if he's giving the ball up and that guy scores quickly, that's an assist for Westbrook, right? So it'll be interesting to see how it, how it all shakes out. Um, with that said, let's end on our bold macro prediction of the season. I'll go first and then you'll go last. So my bold macro prediction... I always like to end with like a specific like thing that happens, really go out on a limb here. I'll start by saying this is part of my prediction, but when it comes to the buyout market, I predict that the Lakers will not end up with Kevin Love. Whoa, so bold. Um, but maybe it is. Uh, and I predict that. So I think they'll be looking for like a wing slash power forward tweener a la Markeith Morris, because that's the one position that we're really lacking, because Melo really isn't that bruising four. We've talked about this a ton. So because we're not going to go after Kevin Love, do you want to hear my bold player that I think we're going to get? Yes. Okay. I predict that the Lakers, during the buyout market, will sign somehow power forward tweener Thaddeus Young, 6'8". 33 years old, expiring $14.1 million contract. I know the Spurs will likely want assets back, but who knows? Maybe they just want to do this guy a favor because he's expiring and he wants to compete, et cetera, et cetera. He's on a pretty much a tanking, developing San Antonio Spurs team. He's definitely in at least that buyout candidate territory. And even if the Spurs trade him, they may trade him to like a tanking team that buys out Thaddeus Young eventually, as we've seen with guys like... Andre Iguodala in the past. So I could, that's my prediction that we, that we don't get Kevin Love, but we sign a guy like Thaddeus Young. And then I have a wing version of this uh, just to keep my, all my options open. So if it's not Thaddeus Young, I predict that we sign, this is more of a traditional wing with uh, another position that I think we need given all of the recent injuries, especially to a guy like Trevor Reza. If it's not Thaddeus Young, I predict that we sign off the buyout market Danwell House, 28 years old in the last year of the contract. Danwell, all's well that ends Danwell. He's in the last year of a contract that pays him 3.8 million, 6'7", perfect wing size, has familiarity with Westbrook, 36, 37% career three-point shooter on high volume, but most importantly is a solid defender. So those are my bold predictions of like what will probably not happen, but it's out there. So what about you? Uh, <laughs> okay, so I don't, I mean, this is probably going to, maybe I'll look back and laugh at myself for making this prediction, but I don't feel like a lot of people are, are talking about, mine is related to overall wins, okay, for the season. And okay. I think that's an interesting way to look at this team because obviously no one a lot of people don't care about what our regular season wins are, right? They're like, whatever. We're like in the top few teams in the West. That's fine. Like this team is built to win a championship and nothing else matters. Um, I think this team can win 60 games and have the best overall record, (laughs) overall record in the NBA this year. Okay. I know that's going to be kind of tough because the West seems stacked, but I think this is my take kind of on the West, right? First of all, for like the last five years in a row, okay, I, ever since the Warriors' big three, uh, I guess big four, kind of uh, broke up, right? The West has always been sort of a conference that cannibalizes itself, but in in many years, there's one team or two teams in some cases that sort of emerge to rise to the top. Um, 
I sort of see the same thing this year. There are some teams. The Warriors are interesting. The Nuggets, obviously, have been interesting. The Suns had a great year last year. There are some good teams. I think the teams at the bottom are very bad. And I think the way that the Lakers' schedule works out this year gives me big-time 2019-2020 vibes um, in terms of, you know, other than, I think, you know, the, the Warriors and the Suns, I granted both games are at home. I think that's kind of an interesting way to start the season, especially mm-hmm. that, you know, game one against the Warriors, that could go either way depending on what Steph decides to do. And game two against the Suns, we're playing against a team that was like literally in the finals a few months ago and if anything made themselves a little bit better, right? So that's going to be a little bit interesting in the first two games. But frankly, after that, right, and this has been talked about a lot, we have a lot of home games in the first quarter of the year. We play a lot of teams with who are poor, you know, had poor records last year or are expected to have poor records this year in the first quarter of the year. And I think that will sort of propel us, you know, we'll use that time to get ourselves ramped up. And if we can out-talent a lot of those teams, which frankly, over the course of an 82-game season, that just ends up happening a lot. I mean, we did it last year. Right, right. We're we're going to out-talent a lot of these teams early in the season. And I think, you know, barring injuries, I, I think that will propel us into pushing through the whole season. I think we have the depth to where, like, even if we do rest LeBron for a game or, you know, here and there, even if we do rest AD, you know, whatever. Even I don't know that we'll rest Russ that much because he's not... I guess in the case of AD as fragile and in the case of LeBron as, you know, doesn't have as many miles. I don't know how much we're going to rest him, but we'll probably rest him a little bit, you know, but we have the ability to kind of stagger rest for those guys. And we have the depth on offense um, to kind of carry us even, even when those guys are resting. Uh, so assuming everyone stays healthy, which I think they will, because the big key is, is the big three, right? So the, and, and the big, Frankly, the biggest one out of those is AD, and I think AD, the way he's looked in preseason, has given me a ton of confidence that he mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, knock on, I'm not literally knocking on what as I say this, that he's going to be able to uh, maintain his health this season, and I think all of these factors are kind of going to propel us. Um, eventually, Russ is going to click, like everything surrounding Russ is going to sort of click, and I think at that point we'll have enough uh you know, momentum and cohesion developing to propel us forward. I like it. It is a bold take, but in terms of the easier start, I think by the time the Lakers face more competitive teams, they'll have done just enough during that easy start to win more games than they probably should. And then I think just Russell Westbrook's competitive spirit should sort of buoy the entire team for the whole season because he's the type of guy that probably that no for sure not probably that doesn't want to lose any game regardless of whether it's like you know random Wednesday night against the Sacramento Kings or Orlando Magic or it's like a premier game against the you know Phoenix Suns or something so I like it with that said the regular season is here Golden State Warriors come out and play Tuesday you know what's going to happen Tommy we're going to lose game one and we'll podcast about it and be like oh god we lost game one again if we somehow (laughs) win game one that will be amazing regardless win loss win or lose it's going to be very litty and I'm looking forward to this um, Lakers season with this incredible very tantalizing cast of characters so with that said we'll catch you during the regular season and 
pray to God that nobody else gets injured, crossing fingers, knocking on wood, etc., etc. So the full 360, Team 360. Let's go. It's Liddy. Tommy, I'll catch you later. Let's go. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.